українське незалежне радіо. Today on Ukraine Watch, joining me from Riga, Latvia is retired British Army Lieutenant Colonel Glenn Grant. Glenn is a national security and defense expert who has advised numerous countries including Ukraine on how to update their military. Mr. Grant, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. So there's a lot of speculation in Western media about whether Putin will indeed invade, but uh, he's actually already done that. Uh, Russia invaded Ukraine back in 2014, and the two countries have been at war ever since. Um, you've advised Ukraine's military. Uh, what's your assessment of their current defense capabilities should the Kremlin indeed launch a major offensive into the rest of Ukraine's territory? Okay, I mean this is a, this is a big question because defense is a big <laughs> defense is a big subject, but let's let's look at it in um, and break it down. Uh, going from the, the the bad to the good, the bad is the navy. Um, in, in terms of actual seagoing vessels, uh, they've got they've got some new vessels from uh, boats. I think would be about the right word from America, and and they've made a few themselves, but they're all small, and they're all only lightly armed. So we're not talking about um, we're not talking about being able to face the the, the Russian armada that is currently. Uh, on its way through the Bosphorus into into the Black Sea, um, it's just too soon for that. I mean, if they'd started straight away when the, in 2014, uh, when, when after Crimea they lost all the navy, then maybe they could have done something. Um, <clears throat> there are many reasons why they didn't, and maybe we have time we can explore those or on another day. The air force is is limited as well. I mean, it's got it's got good. Pilots, uh, but it's only got old um, Soviet-type aircraft, uh, and of course, as uh, you know, as each year goes by, it's another year gone. They've not had much money, so that the pilots haven't done much training. So, if they do fly and they do have to to to, to work in in counter-air uh, activities, they will be um, pilot uh, light and also missile light. So that could actually be, it may well be that, that, that Ukraine just decides to, to leave the air to Russia so that they can't knock down any of their own. Um, and uh, that, that's, a, that's a real possibility. And I know that many, um, many in Ukraine are, are hoping beyond hope that, that NATO would uh, declare a no-fly zone uh, uh, over, over the country so that anything in the air is Russian and, and can, be, can be shot at. The army's changed dramatically. Um, I mean, it really was bits and bobs in 2014 uh, because the, the previous government had done its best to, uh, to, to completely ruin the army. I mean, this, is, this was a deliberate plot. Sell off, sell off equipment, uh, reduce the size of the army in all sorts of ways, and, and more importantly, to get rid of things that were key and important within the system. And you're talking about the Yanukovych government, correct? Yeah, and, and, and yes, effectively, because prior to that, there, there were signs of, um, you know, there were signs of wanting NATO. There was a, a you know, were, NATO advisors were inside, uh, for example, helping them set up a joint uh, headquarters for the Ministry of Defence for the whole country. And the Yanukovych government stripped that out and got rid of it. 
Um, and, and also inside the Ministry of Defense, those members of the system who were pro-Russian did their absolute best to produce uh, Byzantine laws, uh, ridiculous rules and regulations, and, uh, and actually ridiculous and contradictory rules and regulations, so that it was so it, it, those effectively paralyzed the system. Um, and unfortunately, after 2014, nobody really attacked that as a problem and, and removed them. So the, the system remained with, with these bizarre and stupid rules. Um, excuse me, just kill that. There's always someone wants to talk. Um, there, there's the bizarre and stupid rules. And, and they were very, very, very slow to, to pull themselves back again because, because in 2014, you'll remember from there were a lot of the troops that were actually there um, were, were volunteers who actually came to the army and, and fought for eight months, a year, something like that. And then when after Minsk two, then then it sort of settled into the um, uh, settled into the trench warfare. Then a lot of those volunteers then left and went back home again um, and started their jobs and work and whatever else they were doing. So the army was basically starting again. Now it started again. It's been building steadily. Um, uh, lots more youngsters coming in um, uh, and a lot of training from US. A lot of training from UK, Poland, Lithuania, uh, Canada. Um, some of it very good, some of it not so good, but all of it adding to the the the, the, the gradual spin of improvement. And of course, the boys on the front line in the trench warfare have been improving because they want to stay alive. Um, and so there's there's you know they've improved their patrolling skills. They've improved their sniper skills they've improved their their um their basic uh battle discipline has got better and you can see this when you look at them that the, the way they the way they hold rifles the way they move is much more is much more akin to what we expect to see when we look at a marine platoon in us for example or or or, or an army platoon in uk but but what they haven't had much practice at and haven't done very much is mobile warfare. So if you think um, if you think Gulf War One, uh, you will remember, you know, what we actually lined up for that and all the American troops and and the big wheeling movements and everything else. They have not actually really practiced that, but Russia has been, and therein lies the problem: is that, that Russia has been looking at how to do this sort of thing. Uh, uh, and, and changing its structures and organizations um, more than the Ukrainian army has. So if you go back to, to the very basics of the Ukrainian army, courage w w without doubt. I mean, you know, 100% courage. There's, there's no, all those people who are in the army know that they're in the army in, in, for war. So you don't join the Ukrainian army for, for, for peace time because there isn't any. So they're there because they they want to protect their country. So they're not going to they're not going to mess about um, because it's in their head. Uh, seriously, they are much better in lots of ways with uh, with shooting, with more technical tactical things that they've been working. Um, and overall, the command and control has improved. They've got rid of a lot of the, as I used to call them, red commanders. So quite a few of those have left, retired. 
and and some of the um, are some they of the uh, Soviet era. These red commanders. The, the, sorry, they are they holdovers from the Soviet era. Yes, of course. Yeah, because I mean, twenty fourteen. I mean, half the half half a lot of the generals had uh, had actually been trained in Moscow, you know, at the academy. So yes, they were holdovers from the Soviet period, and, and very red, and, and and still didn't like uh, anything from the West at all. And of course, that that was one of the reasons that slowed down the progress between twenty fourteen and say twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Um, when people realised, society realised that, that that nothing was happening and that, that the system wasn't changing. So society started getting cross with the army and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. Um, so they are much better. They've got, they've got a, lot of, uh, a, lot of, a lot more technical things like surveillance equipment and drones, although I have to say that a large amount of that has come from civil society, from volunteers paying money, companies paying money and buying the buying the drones and every day on Facebook you can see someone taking a new drone to the special forces or to the artillery or something like this. Um, crowdfunded defense. Crowdfunded defense, yeah. And I mean this is a big thing. And and it's been extremely uh, extremely successful. Um, and they've the society has proved much more able to produce um, to produce new things and quicker than the than the than the military and and the uh, and the government, uh, the the government um, industry. In fact, much 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 more <laughs> quickly than, than the other two. Um, so so the army is in much better condition, and it's going to fight properly. What is going to depend? What it, a lot of it will depend upon is is uh, what Putin decides to do, and where he decides to put his point of effort, uh, with what with what aim. And that is really, really unclear at the moment. Well, jumping off on that point, what do you think of NATO's response to this crisis thus far? Um, well, it was slow because remember the war has been going on since 2014, uh, and and the, uh, a lot of countries have. A lot of the stuff has actually been bilateral rather than a NATO. I mean, the NATO NATO has done very little in terms of trying to get the best people it can do into Ukraine to actually to help them. So there's there's it's it's been a bit of a, a shaky uh, support in many ways. It, it, it's I think the problem is is that NATO has, has viewed it in a way, in the same way that it views uh, peacetime activities in other countries where there are NATO. Uh, NATO support organization. So, you know, the, I've been to Kosovo several times. You know, there's not much difference between the Kosovo support and the Ukraine support in terms of identity and the way it goes. NATO really didn't look at Ukraine as being a war. I mean, I can actually say now that even after the war started, uh, I, went, I went into the NATO office in 20 bar 15 or 16, 16, and there was still a guy there looking at um, uh, looking at trying to reduce the stockpile of, am of ammunition that Ukraine had. And uh, I mean, this is like three years after the war started. And he and I had a, a long conversation uh, where I, <laughs> I pointed out to him that this was no longer a good idea. <laughs> Has nobody told you to stop? He said, no, no, we've got the money, we've got the funding, we've got... And they were carrying on. So there are some very silly things like that that uh, that, that NATO didn't do. 
So let's come forward to now. I mean, the the the, the words from NATO in the last um, uh, the last few weeks have been quite strong, but one has to remember that NATO is not the Warsaw Pact. It's it's not a separate organization. It's it's the collection of the of of, of all the countries, and therefore NATO, when it speaks, has also got the 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 the, the recently wishy-washiness of Germany and France in it. Um, now, they're both now declared that they're strong and they're positive, but I'm afraid that, you know, my view, Macron's visit to, to, um, to, to, to Russia, if he thinks he's going there for diplomacy, then he really has lost the plot. Um, because, because, as you know, I mean, with, it, with all the countries working with Russia since 2014, there has been no diplomacy and... Uh, no compromise on the Russian side. It's been it's been only bullying, bullying and blackmail, and and Russia in in Donbas. I mean, Russia has absolutely not not held to their side of Minsk too at all. I mean, they just they say yeah we'll have a ceasefire and they they sign a sign a piece of paper and next morning there's someone killed by sniper fire. I mean, it's absolutely. It's 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 you know it's a complete nonsense. So to so to believe anything that Russia says, or to believe that there is the likelihood of any uh, diplomatic compromise, is living in fairyland. Um, Indeed, uh, it makes you think, or at least makes me think, because when you hear, for example, the the Russian side saying, "Well, these are the rules that we want to play uh, with, and we want Ukraine to agree to Minsk too." Um, then you would, you would have to expect that then they would play by those rules as well. But the objective, whether it's through war or diplomacy from Russia's side, seems to be control over Ukraine by any means. Oh, I, I, I would agree with you 100%. And, it's not, and, and that is only a stepping stone. I mean, the, 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 aim, the aim quite clearly is, um, is to break up the Western order. In fact, further, to break up the world order which is one of the reasons why Russia is in Africa and everything else. I mean, it's, these are, you know, it's a mafia state. Let's be quite clear. It's a mafia state and it wants to, to, to steal everything it can and enrich, uh, enrich the oligarchs in that mafia state who are in the, in the, in the, in the, the, the Putin coterie to enrich them as much as possible. And, and, and that means stealing from every country in Africa. It means breaking up the European Union, so that they can uh, attack country by country. And I mean, they, they're doing a very good job in Bulgaria, in Hungary, uh, you know, already. Um, one could argue in France and Germany as well. Uh, and that, you know, all those things are putting stresses and strains on the European Union um, and, and on NATO. I mean, so if he gets into Ukraine, full, then you look at, you look at the shape the Russian shape then is changed. It's no longer Russia. And then between Russia, the, bo the body of Russia, um, Ukraine and Belarus, he's got Belarus already. He's, the, you know, we've had Anschluss of Belarus. He, Belarus is now, a, uh, is now a region of Russia. Let's have no doubts about that. That's, it. That's what he wants for Ukraine. And at that point, he's hard up against another, you know, another four uh, European countries, Some and then it's a different game, different game altogether. Then the pressure will go on; another, a new set of pressure will go on. Yeah, and you've 
we've also got a few of those countries, some are in NATO and some like, I believe, Finland are not. Yeah, Finland's not, Sweden's not, although they're both thinking hard about it, but they've been thinking hard about it as long as I've known them. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but, but I think if Russia actually, uh, if Russia actually doubles down and attacks Ukraine hard, then both Finland and Sweden will realize that the game is, that the, 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 the neutrality game is up and that anything that is neutral is, is, is fair game for Russia. And I mean, Russia has actually said that it wants, it, it wants um, Finland back. Uh, and I was watching, uh, someone sent me a, a clip from primetime Saturday television in Russia the other day. And there was a, 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 there was a map of, of, of the Baltic area and there were Russian flags in, in the three Baltic states, Poland and Gotland. And uh, there, were, there were sort of like the, 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 um, the journalist, uh, the pr program presenter, sorry, uh, was talking about this and he was quite calm and he was pointing to the flags and the two experts who were standing there were quite calm and they were talking about coming in this way and attacking that way and we do this, pointing at the flags on there. And you think this is bizarre. This is primetime Saturday television in Russia talking about going in and attacking uh, four sovereign states without any qualms or without any thought about, you know, this is ridiculous or this is wrong or anything. Perfectly normal primetime Saturday. What makes you think about the argument that NATO expansion has provoked Russia? I mean, no, no country since joining NATO has invaded its neighbors, but Russia, of course, has. And now they're talking yeah. about their primetime television. Yeah. It, the, the threat to Europe is clear, but what would you say to someone in the United States who would question whether this conflict between Ukraine and Russia is any of our concern or whether it's our fight at all? I think the, I think the big thing is the interconnected world. Um, and why is it your fight? Well, because, uh, because America, America lives by trade and always has lived by trade. And, uh, 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 and if, 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 if it loses countries and uh, or the countries get destroyed, then that ability to trade uh, and to trade honestly and to trade properly gets distorted badly. So that's a, that's the first thing. The second thing is that the, you know the, the security of the world as it is depends upon the the, the strength of the um, the strength of the democratic countries. Uh, and those democratic countries, a large amount of them are in Europe, um, uh, and of course uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Japan, uh, Korea. Uh, and, and if we don't all stand together, then, you know, the aim of Russia, and I'm not going to say, uh, not going to suggest that China will join them, but lots of people are saying this, their aim will be just to break this up and take, take domination country by country by country. Um, so what of the idea that, okay, there's, a, there's clearly a democratic free society free market sort of world, and then there's this tyrannical, um, kleptocratic, authoritarian world. Can those two live side by side? Can we let them expand and keep our own? Is that even an I, I, I don't think so, because, because, because you can see what the, the, you know, the kleptocratic world doesn't stop. Um, and it doesn't stop, and it will, and, and you know, and I mean, it's in the U.S. already. I mean, Russia is in the U.S. already. Don't have any doubts about it. 
you know, and, and, and it's in the US and it's breaking up the US by strategic communications, by useful idiots, and by people who actually believe that the Russia way of life, that the, the oligarch way of life is the right way of life. And you have people who want what don't want the rules and regulations to stop them doing doing things, to stop them being controlling, to, to stop them being in charge. And that 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 sort of that sort of group of people will use any advantage that they can get pushed to them by Russia to actually to dominate inside America. And Amer I mean, the heart of America in the last few years has been has been at risk. I, I think it will st it's still at risk, as is the heart of just about every European country and Canada, because Russia has been working away, has been pushing the money in, has been buying people up, you know, get 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 gas Gazprom board memberships uh, and and things like this, and it, it's 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 been infinitely more successful than we ever realised. Because it, if you go and you look at your military or you look at people outside, talk about hybrid warfare, and they talk about little green men. Hybrid warfare is buying politicians. Hybrid warfare is buying the state. And that's what they've been doing. That is what they've been doing. And that's what they've been working on. And as I said, you know, success in Bulgaria, success in Hungary, uh, and, and attempts at success in other countries, using all our weaknesses, all our democratic weaknesses and our democratic ways of living, um, uh, consensus and things like that, using anything they can against us. And, you know, Brexit, <laughs> Brexit, Brexit was backed by Russian money. People don't realize that, you know, it's not some, wasn't just some great demand for Britain to actually to get out of Europe. The, the money came from Russia that paid for the adverts, that paid for the people that did most of the, the shouting, because those people are people who want, don't like the normal democratic uh, and business rules that stop them doing things, that force them to do things properly, environmental things. They don't like those. They just want to make money and have a big yacht and, and live, a, live a fancy life. And Russia has targeted those people. At the other end, it's targeted the left. So you've got the French at the moment where the right, extreme right and the extreme left, bizarrely, both sides are supporting Russia. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big, it's a serious game. So these wedges that the Russian government or the Russian security or espionage apparatus, however mm. you want to put it, is, is these wedges that they're trying to push in between either different powers in the West or even between different fractions in Western society or in American society. It's sort of like uh, the, the, the pre-invasion, softening the... Soft yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and if, if they do it well enough, then there's no need for an invasion. That's that's the key thing is to do it so well that the that the country then becomes uh, Belarusia. The country then becomes, you know, in in the hand of uh, in the hand of the uh, of the of, of the mafia state. And this is what they've been working at. And I mean, the latest thing for Russia, which is uh, for, for latest thing Russia is looking at, is putting the 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 uh, Orthodox Church now into into Africa. So the Russian Orthodox Church into Africa, which they will do, and they will do supported by huge amounts of money 
and huge amounts of largesse and huge amounts of everything else. The Russian church going into Africa is FSB. The priests are trained by the FSB. So it's security services. It's, it's an arm of the security, as it is in Ukraine and has been in Ukraine. It's an arm of the security services going into Africa. To, to actually to, the pulpit. Right? To, to undermine the countries from the pulpit. And, uh, and, and we let it. And we will have to go and get it back at some stage. If you were going, if you were advising, let's say, the, the president of the United States or the British prime minister, the, president, the prime minister of the UK, what, what would you say should be the strategy of those countries or countries in the West generally in dealing with Russia? I think the strategy has got to be that Russia's got to understand that there are, there are, I'm not going to use the, the Obama word red lines, but there are limits to, 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 to how they're, they're acting at the moment. And those limits, those limits will be enforced. In other words, at, at some stage, we have to be courageous enough to go to war if we have to. And if, if we are not seen to be courageous enough to go to war, we will keep going backwards. You're talking about direct conflict with Russia? Yeah, I'm talking about direct confrontation. I'm talking about killing people. Uh, and if we're not actually willing to do that, then Putin will keep moving forwards. And we will keep going backwards. And herein lies the problem at the moment, is that we are going backwards. We'll go, you know, if he take, goes into Ukraine, we go backwards. Uh, uh, he's, he's, he may be a bit frightened of sanctions, but is he really? If you actually go, have you been on, um, uh, have you been on Google, uh, Google Maps at all recently? Sure. Yeah, uh, Rostov? Okay, I'm familiar. Yeah, I mean, it does not look like a country that's suffering. Uh, and the thing about it is, is that we've kept them under sanctions, but Russia, we've, we've not... We've not limited their ability to trade. We've not limited their ability to uh, go to Africa and steal whatever they want to from Africa. And so the, 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 mafia, the mafia system, it, with the things that we have put in place already, it just goes around them. So how can we communicate to the Russians that we're willing to go to war? For example, President Biden, I think, has already said, American troops on the ground and Ukrainian territory is off the table, but he's reinforced the, the eastern flank of NATO. Yeah, and, 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 by, and by doing that, he's basically saying Ukraine is yours. Uh, and that's not a deterrent. You think it's not enough of a deterrent to just uh, reinforce the eastern flank of NATO? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I mean, I just don't see, I don't see that. I mean, it, it, there's no deterrence for Ukraine. There may be deterrence for the eastern flank of NATO at the moment, but, but, but not for Ukraine um, and not for Georgia and not for Finland and not for Sweden uh, and probably three or four other countries as well. So um, do you think it's inevitable? Do you think uh, direct confrontation between Russian forces and, say, American or Western forces, do you think it's inevitable? My, in my... In my uh, sadly, I think I have to say yes. I think it's inevitable. If not now, it's inevitable sometime in the future, unless we actually make it clear that we are going to fight because it's something will spill over somewhere. Something will go wrong. 
and we'll end up, you know, the, 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 because you can't, once you start a war, you can't control it. So the, the only way to, to with, with someone like Putin is to make sure he understands that he can't afford to go to war with us, that we are so serious about the, our values and about the, 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 the lines, and we just have to say, no, you know, we're not doing it. I mean, if, if you look, think about it, in 2014, when, we, when, when the American troops came in for training, had those American troops gone down to Odessa and started in the training area in Odessa, had the British troops gone to uh, Kharkiv and started doing training in Kharkiv, we would not be looking at what we're looking at now. Because there is no way that Putin is going to start fighting, you know, American troops that are actually on the uh, just behind the, the, the front line. Um, he just wouldn't he wouldn't want to do it because it would be foolish and everybody would know. So so by by being I'm going to say cowardly in a way, I mean, you know, the embassies said, oh, no troops forward of the river. Well, by doing that immediately, we were sending a message that we weren't serious. Now the American troops are back in Lviv. All right, there are British troops that are further forward than that, but America is not worried because it knows that, that Britain has already said it will pull them out if there's this escalation. So there's nothing there to stop. If we, it, it, tomorrow, if we put uh, 82nd Airborne on the, on, the, on the sharp side of Kiev and, and 3rd Parachute Regiment on the other side of Kiev, and said, right, you want to fight people? You have to fight us. It would change the paradigm very quickly. And, uh, but, but, but not what we're doing at the moment. So it's, it's putting, it's, it's, <laughs> I haven't, it's putting America, I mean, you're saying putting American soldiers or British soldiers on the, on the front lines, perhaps in Ukraine, or maybe not on the front lines, but around key points around major cities to say to, to Vladimir Putin, stop. That's what. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that would do it. I don't think anything else will. Um, uh, uh, maybe the whole of the Ukrainian population might, might, uh, might reach the point where it seems too large, uh, uh, too thorny a, 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 a thing to swallow. That is, that is possible. Um, but there again, you know, he was quite willing to trash Grozny. Now, whether he was willing, whether he'd be willing in, for world terms to trash Kiev, I don't, I, I don't think he would. But, but the threat of trashing Kiev and maybe trashing one or two of the other cities uh, that are a long way away and nobody has ever heard of um, might be on the cards. Uh, and he and he's bringing he's bringing to the front line uh, his national guard and the national guard their job is public public order russian style not public order our style not nice men standing there with their arms locked smiling at people and waving balloons yeah. but public order by killing people and 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 destroying buildings and things like this so working under the presumption that there will be no American or NATO troops on the territory of Ukraine. Do you have any, I'd say, I hesitate to say the word prediction, but do you have any predictions for the short term in this conflict? No, <clears throat> no, I don't. And I mean, uh, because, because it, 
completely depends upon where Putin decides he's going to attack and in what, what, in what fashion. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's entirely possible that he can, he can attack and it fails, attack the wrong way um, by going the wrong place uh, and by just by luck meeting the wrong people. You know, this is what, how war, wars, wars work. I mean, you remember the Second Battle of the Ardennes. I mean, you know, it was it was ragtag and bobtail people that actually stopped the the Germans when they got into uh, through the Ardennes and started fighting. It wasn't it wasn't the grand strategy that stopped them, and it could equally be the same again for for Putin. Um, that he's got so many options because he's got the initiative, uh, and and he can come by sea, and but you see again, it's quite. It would be chance. I mean, if if the right if the right piece of artillery is on the is on the in the sand dunes, and they come that way, then you know one one gun might be able to take out three major ships, and that would completely change the dynamic of of, of the whole thing. Um, but there again, if he if he comes at night into into a place where there is no there are no artillery guns or anti tank weapons, they might all get on shore. So th- this is this is very much. Um, it's very much a chess game in that in that respect, and and we don't know what he's going to do. And the Ukrainians hopefully will get some warning from from uh, from international either satellites and drones that are that are flying and aircraft that are flying, but they might not get as much as they need, and it might also be difficult to move people because of course there are some areas, the south coast particularly, where you've got the long inlets. Uh, where, you know, if you're on the wrong side of one of those, you've got to go 60, 70 kilometres to get to get round and over one bridge. Um, so, you know, th- those things could be quite, quite challenging, both for Ukrainians reinforcing and for Russians advancing. Um, yeah, of course, it's one thing to invade, but it's another to occupy hostile territory. Yeah, it is. And, and, and this is this. I mean, people talk about this and they say they haven't got enough troops to to, to occupy well of course they were, I don't think they'd try to occupy everywhere I mean the key thing that 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 Putin wants is the same as same as Belarusia he wants political control um, and so his 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 key task will be to get the government to uh, to get the government to to, to to surrender and to actually to follow r- Russian rules but I don't think that the population of Ukraine has got that in its mind at the moment I think I've heard so many of my friends there, in the last two or three weeks, used the same expression, that, which is, um, "I don't want to pass this war on to my children." Uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, we need to deal with it now. Now is the time. If he wants to come and do it now, it's now. And if he waits another six months, then in six months we'll do it. Um, I mean, what what he's doing at the moment is is. I mean, he is putting a lot, huge amount of stress on, especially financially. And as you, uh, as you may have seen in the last week or so, that he's he's been um, blocking off the uh, Black Sea and the Sea of Azov, which is causing great hardship to places like Mariupol, where you know if the ships don't come in, there's there's it's not just that there's no work for the shipping. I mean, it's it's that flow of money that actually then doesn't go into the whole city, so it's causing you know it's causing problems through Mariupol and Berdyansk on the on the on the Azov coast. Um, but they'll survive if they know that there's a you know there's a future in it. But but Putin will. It, it's quite possible they may just go into a sustained period of 
of of of C block C blockade, um, uh, which will unblock every time there's a NATO ship comes in, and then reblock every time the NATO ship leaves. Uh, because Putin's got he's he's facing right now essentially a more united West, and perhaps yeah. saying he if he could wait it out for a, a weaker point, sort of let things. Yeah. Could, he could very well let things sort of calm down and then surprise attack. Yeah, and because one of the big problems is, is that you've got lots of people who, if he, if he backs off, they'll say, oh, I told you so, he was never serious anyway. And then they won't then engage getting ready for the next time. So there'll then be a pause and then there'll be a, a rush of engagement if he st- comes back again, as, as in April. I mean, you know, April, people didn't take it seriously. And I mean, my line was, you've got to take this seriously, because if this isn't the one, there will be another one. And lots of people breathed a sigh of relief after after April when they went back. And and lo and behold, here he is again. And this time with more. Um, And this time with more, not only with more, but with some of his, I'm going to say, nastiest infantry from from Siberia. And uh, now in Belarusia. I've also heard other experts talk about the nuclear threat. Ooh, yeah, that Putin might be might be prepared to use nuclear weapons, maybe in Ukraine. What do you What do you think about that? It's, this is really difficult. I mean, it, it will be crossing crossing a Rubicon that 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 that, that uh, militarily, socially, diplomatically. Nobody has wanted to cross since since the Second World War. Um, I'm certainly I'm certain that he might play the game of uh, he might play the game of threat that that you know an action maybe a small action against NATO and then a threat that if you come uh, I'm going to use nuclear weapons uh and and then then we're you know it's a very serious game then you know how, do, how what does one do call his bluff um i mean this is what president, presidents are paid for isn't it um to make these sorts of decisions i, I don't know whether putin will go that far but he's the, the worrying thing is he's starting to to threaten it and 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 his you know his key uh supporters um these mad guys on television and in the press are actually starting to talk about it as though it's a as though it's a real option. Um, and and you know several times people have said yes, but you know if there's a destruction of the world because Russia is so big, we will survive somewhere, and Russia will then come out of the ashes as the only country. And you think, well, this is complete lunacy. Um, it's, it's, it's beyond lunacy even to talk about things like that. Uh, but they are talking about that, and I mean, not just talking about it, but it's you know, it's in the press, it's on television, it's 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 not it's not just a closed small circle; it's quite public. So th- that sort of thing is worrying. I mean, it, it, he's got lots of options if he does. I mean, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to to to, to attack anywhere in Ukraine because if he did, he'd probably get his own um, uh, his own uh, radioactivity back. Um, but, but, you know, there are other countries he could use one that he's got long range missiles. He could fire one into the sea somewhere. Uh, he could, you know, fire it at Svalbard in Norway or somewhere like this and cause, 
cause problems. It's 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 a it's a worry. I mean, it is a worry. Um, I'm hoping that 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 is the the ultimate bluff, and that it's not real. But he's a madman. You know, he's 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 a psychopath. He's quite happy to kill his own people. He's it would not be beyond him to fire a nuclear weapon at one of his own cities because he doesn't care about people. As a as a false flag, or as yeah, a yes, as a false flag. You know, look what the West has done. Look what I mean. He's he's it, it, that's not that sort of thing is not beyond him. I mean, you've only got to look at Beslan and look at all the children dead. I mean, anybody who can countenance killing all those children uh, can do anything. When he has done so, <laughs> you know, there's no uh, there's no question he's done so, and we've ignored it. And we've we, we've taken these things too lightly. In, 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 in the recent years. So is the only way to back him down to show force? I think so. Or to show that there's, you know, that we're willing to use force. So we're not frightened of using force against him if we have to. And that, that, that you know, that his, his, he, he, he must not step outside the, um, uh, he must not step outside the norms of, 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 of world society. Or he's got to go back inside them. Um, Excuse me again, another. So, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, what, what else is there for diplomacy? We can't buy him off, uh, I don't think. Um, we can't, uh, he won't negotiate. He doesn't know how to negotiate. Uh, he doesn't compromise at all. He doesn't have compromise in his toolbox. Uh, he only has, you give me, I give you. You know, is is win for him, uh, and, and if he loses something, then then it's you know he 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 waits and goes around somewhere else. I mean, what is interesting is the is is his relationship with China, um, and it looks quite clearly that China has actually got the measure of him, um, and he's probably more frightened of China than he is of us I'll because he doesn't sense. It. It doesn't sense any weakness in China. Mm. That's, that's the thing. There's no, you know, he knows that if he messes them about, they'll just cross the border and take Siberia. Uh, and he knows that they, they can do it and they would do it. And he knows that, you know, if he starts fighting them, they'll fight him back. Um, and and he, he only respects strength. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, when he's, when he's in and around China, uh, um, when, when he goes to see the Chinese president, he looks smaller. All of a sudden, he looks small. He's 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 not got his cheekiness, not that you know the 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 the, the arrogance that he showed with with Macron. Um, I mean, that was clearly. I mean, that that uh, you've seen all the wonderful pictures of 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 the two of them on the table, and someone's made it so that it seesaws. I mean, it's truly truly beautiful. But um, but you know, I mean, he's really really. Treating Macron as though Macron was a, a you know a, a schoolboy, and uh, but he 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 has no respect for the Western leaders. That's quite clear. Um, and and maybe he had respect. I'm not even sure he had respect for uh, he had respect for any Western leader so far because he knows he's going to outlive them in terms of of political career. He knows that you know. When Boris goes, he's still going to be there. When Biden goes, he's still going to be there. And that gives him enormous power and strength. Um, 
and it's uh, it's worrying. <laughs> to be honest, it's worrying. That's for sure. Well, Mr. Grant, I, I very much appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. This has been a conversation with Glenn Grant. Thank you for watching Ukraine Watch. Thank you. Ukrainian Radio.